and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for another week of film photography fun. Um, uh, we've got a great show in front of us today. <laughs> Very excited to be doing this. I may have had too much sugar this evening, so brace yourselves, everybody. Uh, everybody else on this call has already had to suffer it, so it's only fair that you listeners have to as well. <laughs> um, speaking of people who have been suffering my over-sugared self this evening, we have with us the wonderful Claire Marie Bailey and John Whitmore. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Woo. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Great to have you guys back. John, how are you? We haven't seen you for a few weeks. I am much better. I won't say I'm 100%, but I am much better. Thank you very much. And looking forward to um, calming down a bit after that intro time before recording with you. Yeah. Nice and relaxed. <laughs> nice and relaxed. Quiet time now. <laughs> Quiet coyote <laughs> time for me. And Claire, how are you? I'm good too. Thank you, Graham. Um, been enjoying the nice weather as i'm sure everyone has um yes. getting a bit of shooting yeah and looking very glamorous tonight which i feel is important to mention because you've made a special <laughs> effort and you always look glamorous this is important to say claire always looks glamorous even oh. when um she's come fresh from whatever nightmare work she's had but we are putting this show out this week on video because we've got quite a lot of visual content to share so this is going to be up on youtube as well so um john has his banana that's the <laughs> seal of quality uh so if you want to go and watch along a good evening on youtube then do check that out because okay we've got quite a lot of visual stuff to share partly because of our guest this evening we've got a lovely guest somebody who uh, we have known for oh i would say far too long at this point um and it's a delight to finally get him on the show and talk about his new film that he's got out welcome to the sunny 16 podcast toby van der Velde. toby hello good evening thank you for having me <laughs> it's a delight to have you toby i was led to believe that you lived uh, on a boat turns out you actually live in a cyanotype so that's very exciting <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm just need to work out how to make red sign type. <laughs> that's very true so before we get on to your film toby um let's get a quick background of what you do and who you are um so because you you you're a pro shooter so tell us a bit about you ah well i went straight into being a lab technician uh, after college in 1991 uh, did that for 11 years. I've had a hand in most photographic processes over the years. I've done um, C41, black and white, E6. I even worked for the um, only lab in the UK that did Scala back in the late 1990s. Mm. Um, as the digital photography revolution slowly killed off the lab work, I knew that if I wanted to um, stay in photography, I'd have to retrain as a Photoshop technician, which didn't appeal or become an actual photographer. So uh, I managed to get a job working for a newspaper in 2001. And I did that for 13 years whilst freelancing on the side. Uh, in 2014, I went freelance full-time and um, just been a photographer for my whole life, really, film and digital. Uh, the antidote to having to produce well-lit, well-composed and sharp images for my clients has always been to muck about with things like 1920s cameras, pinholes, cyanotypes, old processes, the, uh, the uh, yes, the, the images that look like they were taken 100 years ago are what I do to uh, mm. counteract the pressure of having to produce perfect images from my D810. Mm. I mean, whenever I think of your stuff, I do always think of the uh, 
creative stuff that you're doing in terms of exploring old techniques and trying new things with them. So I remember um, when we met up at the photography show three years ago, I think it was, you gave myself and Rachel and I these lovely coasters that you had printed cyanotypes on um, onto uh, tiles, really lovely tiles. So experimenting with cyanotypes, you've done a lot of different experimenting with cyanotype and using that technique, um, even uh, down to trying to, with some degree of success, um, making in-camera cyanotypes. This is the thing you've tried as yes. well, isn't it? Yes, using my Hasselblad mm. 2.8. Uh, it was a few years ago now, um, a very nice August day, a 2.8. I was able to make an image appear after eight hours exposing mm -hmm. in bulb mode. Yeah. <laughs> I then promptly washed it and lost 60% yeah. of the image. <laughs> I mean, I think 60% is pretty good going. I, I, it's, it's a technique that I have messed around with a little bit myself um, because I'm stubborn and because you, know, you want to try things despite people going, you really can't do it. And I, I think after well, my experiment, yeah. Um, and then you kind of realize, they're probably right. You probably, in, not in any practical way, do this. No, I think the secret to the um, paper, sound type paper negatives in camera is not washing them. Mm. Yeah. Put them in um, an old plastic bag from um, a box of film yeah. and keep them in the dark forever yeah. and never look at them. That's perfect. It's, it's great. <laughs> I can't believe that that solution hasn't been presented before because that is the ultimate way forward. Well, I suppose it's a bit like... Um, Solography, isn't it? Sam Cornwall's um, solar cans. Mm. You get the image out of the can, you scan it once, and then you squirrel it away in the dark and, and look at it very um, short periods of time. I think that's the same with um, making cyanotype negatives in camera. Yeah. Once you yeah. finish exposure, scan it or take a photograph of it and then put it away in the dark and um, just enjoy it sparingly. Yeah. And just use the enjoy it sparingly i just love the idea a cold winter's evening you and the family huddled around your fire going should we treat us it's like it's like charlie bucket and that one piece of chocolate like should we have a little bit let's look at the cyanotype okay but only for a couple of minutes and it has to go back in its bag yeah um, well that's what it used to be like back in victorian times <laughs> no, before, no situation was before, ever like that before fix was invented people could make um images usually there were um, photograms using leaves and feathers but they couldn't fix them. So mm. they had to do exactly that. Put them in a light type box and after dark, pull the curtains and have fleeting glances of them mm. using candles. Otherwise they just, you know, fog and go black. So it's a, it's as, that sort of thing is as old as photography. Predates fixative. So there you go, Toby, as old as photography. Um, <laughs> so I suppose we should move on, Toby, to uh, the, the exciting new thing that you've going on, got going on, which is, this film that you have brought to market it's been what a couple of weeks since you launched yeah, it. yeah two two weeks it's monday no it's tuesday two weeks and a day 15 days since i went live i've had um, a very good response um had quite a nice amount of sales mm -hmm. all around the world i've sent film to america mm -hmm. um, united kingdom singapore malaysia canada so i've had a good global reach with the film yeah. and um, yeah the uh, the film has started to um, be developed now. I'm getting my first images from users in America and in the United Kingdom. You know Stig of the Dump? I'm familiar. He, uh, yeah, he um, developed a role a couple of days ago at home and he's starting to post his images. We should probably, Very before nice. you go too much further, actually say what this film is. Um, because yes, of course. <laughs> an introduction I, I can tell another. that the sales part of this is new to you, the promotion and marketing thing. So your film... It is. My film is a red-eye red scale 
I'm respooling film to make a bespoke boutique film, 35 millimeter film um, to make red scale film. Yes. I've got um, a big cartel shop where you can, you go to buy it and I've got a presence on Instagram, Twitter and Flickr. Just mm. search red eye, red scale and you'll find me on those three platforms plus the big cartel shop. Mm. Very good. See, that's um, much better. You're getting it now. You're getting it now. So red scale, let's talk about your film. Um, why should people be interested in it? I mean, there's probably a lot of people who have maybe heard of Red Scale film, maybe never shot it before. Um, what's cool about Red Scale? The experiment, I think, really. That's why I first started um, shooting Red Scale, because it's an experiment. I enjoy the aspect of respooling it as well. That was one of the uh, main attractions when I first started doing it. It's just mucking about with film in the dark. Um, you although you have an idea what you're aiming towards you don't always necessarily know what you're going to get until you get this the results um um yes yeah, so you can see the uh the pictures scrolling by there yeah there's a really good so yes on the on the video for those who are watching on youtube well for those who are watching on youtube you can see what's going on for those who are listening um are you on the the uh what page are you want on the website the no, this page. is my flick of the gallery. Okay, well, we'll put links to all this in for people who can't see. There's basically there's a beautiful selection of really varied images shot on this red scale film, and I think what it does instantly when you look at these is it makes you realise that red scale film. There's there's some special effects film, and I, and I would put red scale in with that. I think there's some special effects film which um are, can be quite narrow in what their use is can work for that you, you'll, you'll go and go oh it's fun for this but not for that some of the color shift films some of the you know um things like some of the yodica films some of the double films like they'll work spectacularly well for certain situations but not brilliantly for everything i think red scale is probably one of um the most universally applicable films it can add something to anything if if you want that look um and you've got a selection of portraits landscapes urban landscapes um all sorts of different stuff going on street photography and it it all looks pretty cool on there have are these mostly pictures i've seen actually some seen, seen some pictures of claire on there so i'm guessing these are not all pictures you've taken <laughs> no i um this is as good a point as any of the conversation to say thank you to my beta testers mm. i sent some roles out claire was one of them H. Clark was another, Tina Rowe, yeah. and uh, a friend of mine called Emma from uh, an organisation known as The Artcasts. I approached people whose work I admired um, and asked if they'd beta test for me. Did you um, get a call, John? More... I didn't get a call. I didn't... Did you? No. <laughs> Weird. Okay, carry on. Is this, is this where we kick Toby out of the conversation? Yeah, where's that banana? <laughs> <laughs> I did ask more than four people to beta test for me, and not all of my beta testers have come through with the results yet, although I'm still hopeful some of them will, especially once they hear uh, and see this this podcast. Hmm. But um, the thing about Red Scale is, you the technique is to shoot through the back of the roll of c41 film and you have to overexpose to get through the base um to get an image if you shoot at box speed you tend to get a very muddy and underexposed image um when c41 film is made the color days are laid down on the base so that um, first red is put down, then green and then blue. Mm. 
So um, traditionally, when you're shooting C41 film normally, the red dye is the last to be exposed. So when you reverse C41 and make red scale, the red dye is exposed first. And um, when you overexpose by, say, two or three stops, the red becomes the dominant image. Um, if John's scrolling through Flickr, if you can find some of the pictures that are very, very dark red and black, very contrasty. That's the sort of thing you get on a, um, a two or three stop overexposure. And um, as you go through to as many as eight or nine or ten stops overexposed, you burn the reds and the blacks out completely. And you end up with um, very muted um, yellows and greens that give you a very vintage sort of 60s early colour photography sort of feel. Mm. And um, that's one of the attractions uh, for me of shooting red scale is, although um, you never know exactly when you get, there's such a wide variety of results you can achieve. It's not um, just one thing over and over again. You can ex overexpose at two stops, you can overexpose at 10 stops, and the same subject matter between two stops and 10 stops, you'll get such a, yeah. a variety of results. It's um, It's just... That's the appeal, really. It's, yeah. It's got such a, a wide... I enjoyed being a beta tester, and, and thank you for asking me and, and sending me um, some film. Um, and for listeners, um, if I would encourage them to, 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 to get online and get some of the film, because isn't that beautiful? Um, because it's, a Welsh it's, pony. It's, it's nicely, yeah, it's nicely packaged, but I loved your instructions that came with it. Oh, good. Um, I thought it was really helpful. So you got these instructions, which sort of said about if you just what you've said, really. If you if you overexpose it, you can try this, and um, if you slightly underexpose. So I I I, I found those really helpful, and I decided um, I would try and shoot it. You know, different different kind of settings. And for me, I was trying to get um, really really deep reds. That's what I was trying to go. So I'll have to get some more film because I want to get even more red, red, reds. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it's a lovely film. And one of my favourites is this one that I shot, which is uh, Nubra Forest. And I call this picture... Oh, the, the horses. Or the no, not the floor. No, the burning the forest. I like the horses. But, the, the yeah, it's like um, sort of the, the flame trees of Tika in... Um, Newbury yeah, Forest. That's yeah. a very classic red scale look. Yeah, yeah. Deep blacks and reds and the contrast. Yeah. As you but said, I've it's... been looking, you can get, I think, once if you play with it, and then again, isn't it? It's thinking about possibly shooting it out of context as well. Um, but I, I really like it. I'm definitely going to get some more film. But yeah, for listeners, the instructions I thought were really helpful, Toby. When I, well, thank really you. Nice thank books. you, Claire. The, uh, when I was. Um, come up with the concept of launching Red Eye as a mm. brand, I thought that uh, one of the things I wanted to do was make sure people understood mm. what they were going to do with it, uh, especially with the range available. And I just uh, wrote some blurb, it's uh, just an A4 sheet of paper, mm. and it just really gives a quick, in a nutshell, ex ex um, explanation of how Red Eye works, and then just notes on exposing and overexposing and what you can expect to get. Mm. Uh, it's just really helpful yeah as in because that that is one of the things that i think is fairly um unique about red scale is the fact that there is because of and it's really interesting to you explain why that is the fact that if you um overexpose by 
a little, you're going to get these very dark reds. But if you overexpose by quite a lot, it starts to look almost more like cross-process slide film because the other mm, colours start yeah. coming in, but all shifted. And, and that is also a very cool look. So it, it gives you um, a good range of options that you can all get on the one film while shooting it. Um, uh, that's um, if you don't mind me, but in the picture that um, is on screen at the moment, the office block with the red, the uh, the brick wall at the bottom of it, that's yeah. a good example of um, how um, a couple of steps overexposed would get you the reds, which is the brickwork down the bottom, yeah. and that was quite a dark area. And then the um, the office block was a very much more brightly lit area, so that's like two different steps of overexposure in one image. Mm. The brickwork being two or three stops over, and mm. the office block being five, oh, no, five yeah. or six, seven stops over. So yeah. that's an example of how you can get both um, the reds and the muted greens and yellows in one image with the right lighting situation. Yeah. So when it, when it, you've got your film developed and you come to digitise it, how um, how do you tell your scanner how to interpret these images? Like, does it try and compensate I... for this colour shift? I've got to confess, I don't own a scanner and I've never done my own C41 processing. So up until as of this week, I've been sending all my red eye to um, Silverpan. Mm -hmm. And uh, Duncan and the team have mm. been um, doing a sterling job at providing me with the images. Pretty much, um, as you see on my social media presence, that's how they've come back okay. from, from Silverpan. Mm. That's going to change next week. I um, re-spooled some red eye out of the, the 35 millimeter cassette into 127 format backing paper. And, um, I shot that in one roll. I shot in my Kodak Vest Pocket Autographic and the other in my Bencini Comet. Um, the lab Silverpan could scan those images, but not with the sprocket holes. And one of the reasons I re-spool image a uh, 35 millimeter film into packing paper 127 and 120 format as well is i want the sprocket holes so i've um got those particular films dev only and mm -hmm. i'm going to have a go at um doing my own digitization i don't have a scanner what i do is i use um this is a nikon 7700 it shoots raw images yeah. and the macro lens, literally you can focus an inch away so you can really fill the frame with a 35 millimeter frame. Um, mm -hmm. That's how I do all my black and white digitization using that camera and a light box and uh, 290 degrees of black cardboard to mask off the area. Mm -hmm. So um, that is an experiment coming up in the next week. My own red eye um digitization will be interesting to see how my technique will compare to what i'm getting back from silver pan it's one of the interest i mean with normally with ordinary color film or color slide film color negative film you you have a baseline that you're trying to work towards because you have an idea of people's skin tone something like the, so you're trying to balance to that because i think that, i mean whether you're doing this digitally or whether you're doing it using um uh, darkroom techniques with the printer i mean you've done color prints in the past john where you're trying to use the filters to get the color balance right it's always mm -hmm. about judgment and with any um uh old process or old film type like uh red scale or lamography purple uh, uh, then it really just becomes about artistic choice i think you you go okay what do I like it looking like, and whatever you like it looking like is what's right mm. because it's yeah. there's not there isn't I don't think with those kind of films that there, there is a um, 
an absolute answer oh yes this is what the negative should look like because it's just not how color next work is yeah. it um i think it's a good film because of the range of exposure latitude it's quite a good film for using mm-hmm. it in more basic cameras where you perhaps don't have control over either the shutter or the aperture or maybe both, um, but you can still load it up, take it out on a bright day, and the fact that you may have slightly different lighting conditions just means you're going to get slightly different effects from that. Um, I suppose um, an automatic camera, you'd need to consider your um, ISO, because if you didn't have shutter and aperture, you'd have to overexpose just purely with the iso so mm, I, I was to me i was thinking I more basic point and shoot stuff like the mm-hmm. um vivitar the wide and slim the, the, the mu is not how dare you <laughs> how dare you um but you know stuff like the mu i'm not the mu god now you've got me doing it toby the mu is the wide and slim a holger stuff like that that you'll um, have to consider what the default because there's no um dx code on um, red eye cassettes mm-hmm. So if you put it into a camera looking for a DX code and it doesn't find one, you'd have to consider what the default ISO setting would be. Yeah. Red Eye's box speed is um, 200. Yeah. So and can you put, like with DX coding, can you put stickers on to yeah. a canister? To I don't doubt you could, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. If you go on the internet, you can find places, you can print them off and um, it's... I, I've been led to believe. Yeah. And also, it means you could... You could um, you could print the DX code off forever what you wanted to be. So if you know, okay, I know I really like this. So when you said it, it's rated at 200, mm-hmm. is yeah. that, okay, it's rated at 200, but you want to shoot it two stops over? Or are you saying, no, if you shoot this at 200, you'll get this very dark red look? If- I think if you shot at 200 with no other um, compensation to the exposure, you shot it at box speed and metered to what the camera at, 200 ISO was saying I think you'd risk getting very muddy underexposed pictures because you'd be having difficulty penetrating the base layer of the film right so, so 200 ISO is the original that's um, right like, okay so people are probably looking so, at more like 50 ISO down yeah, from there. if you if you rate your camera's ISO to 50 yeah you'll be getting two stops overexposure straight away yeah I think I did mine at 50 mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so if you didn't do anything else to exposure, but you shot red eye at 50, you'd get two stops over exposure, and that would be the uh, the con- deep contrasty reds and mm. blacks. Did you try many different colour films for this? Um... I did experiment with a few, yeah. yes. Um, not acres of difference between them all, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's worth I knowing. I think the colour change is so um, wide and varied. It doesn't really matter what the... Uh, what the original stock looked like when it was shot and processed normally. Yeah. It's, it's um, obviously a lot of people listen to this are keen photographers and it's obviously worth noting the obvious that this is a technique that you could try at home if you want to, and I have done this in the past some years ago. Um, if you want to get a roll of color film and get an author and you can respool it yourself, but it's a bit of a faff. You need a dart bag. Um, it's totally doable. This is just an easy solution if you just want to go, I want to buy a roll of film, I want to get going and um, not have to deal with the faff. <laughs> I started my red scale journey doing it, as you say, I've got an old empty canister. Um, I've got a new roll of C41 film. I taped the two ends together and then I put, I didn't have a dart bag or a dart room. Mm. Um, I put the films inside a hoodie like this. Mm-hmm. That made my dart bag, and I put that 
under my duvet and I drew the curtains and switched the lights off and that's how I did my original red eye respooling when I first started getting into the technique. Can I just clarify that you're not still doing this, Toby? Because I'm not no, sure that's I have a sales. dark room. One yeah. of the great benefits of leaving the boat and coming to live in a house is that I actually have an actual dark room now. Very nice. Very nice. And were you saying, Toby, that oh, sorry, all my respooling is done by hand in a dark room? in safe, light-tight conditions. I'm very pleased to hear that. And are you saying that you, it's not just available in 35mm? I know you said you've been respooling to 127. Is this a thing that you're going to be making available on other formats, or will it only be 35mm? I have had requests for 120 red-eye already. Mm -hmm. That um, is something I'd like to get into. It's mm. just a question of finding the, the, the stock, of finding a source to um, do it with. Would that work the same way? Does does 120 film have an anti-halation layer in the same way that 35mm does? Or would you look to do it the sprockets route and have it taped through? It seems like it'd be a tricky thing, I think. I'm not sure I could do actual 127 film very easily. That would mean cutting down. Um, you have to worry about the numbers on the backing paper. But if you were using 120 film and cutting that down, the um, numbers wouldn't line up in the same way that they would with a 127 backing paper and a 127 camera. But regardless, you're going to have to take the film off the paper and re-spool it. Turn it over. It. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, I, yeah, I just... I've done it. I have done it for my own personal benefit. Certainly. And are the effects the same as on 35mm? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. they are. That's because yeah. this one of those things... I've ne because nobody makes 120 red scale film, because it's <laughs> probably a pain in the neck, um, I'm guessing that that's why. So... Um, that's why people have been asking me if I'm going to do it, I think. Yeah. I would imagine that one of the problems with doing it in 120 is that uh, there's no cheap 120 colour film. This is a major um, obstacle to red eye going into medium format, yes. Although I did have somebody contact me on um, Instagram asking me if they supplied me with um, a load of 127 paper and spools, would I rescale 35mm into mm -hmm. them? for them which is one of the reasons why i did the um 127 shoots a couple of weeks ago with my yeah. uh, my mm. vest pocket and my uh Benchini. yeah i so, just um, finished shooting and developing a role and i say finished this this film has been in my camera for i think probably four years um it was some of my and it was it, it's it's kind of classic graham in that the film i was using was my vintage hp5 um which is 35 millimeter and the camera that i was shooting it in was an ensign ranger which is a six by nine camera i think roll film camera um and like i said it'd been in there for four years and um yeah that that was probably not the smartest thing to do but i got some pictures of it but then like you toby i had the same problem of i came to digitize it and i couldn't my scanner doesn't get the sprockets on there um, and this film was super springy and super curly and super foggy and all the other great things that go with this film especially once it's been in there that's but, why we do it yeah that's why we do it but um but yeah it's good fun yeah doing stuff like that is it is a good time and it's nice to be able to i think the idea of having a 135 film on 120 i think has a lot of potential i think the only thing from my own personal experience with having just finished with this ensign ranger is that you almost need to, to sell it with some kind of little um, cellophane mask to say, make sure when you're looking through your viewfinder, you're thinking that your frame lines are here. The middle, yeah, yeah. the middle third. Yeah. I've actually, in my um, non-red red eye um, account, my Toby V Photo account, just mm. recently I've just shot some 35mm uh, 
Kentmere 400 in my Voigtlander Besser, which is six by nine. Mm. And um, I did find the same as you. Some of the pictures, there's a big blank bit of film with a bit about that big, which is where I've got somebody's head and everything else below the head is uh, is missing because it's the bottom of the film. So, yeah, you have to be careful Yeah, when you're um, framing uh, 35 mil in a medium format camera. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's, it's really cool. I think this is really cool. And, the, and I think everyone, I said, we'll put the link to your Flickr page for the group in the show notes because that is the best advertisement for this thing that you could possibly get. You go and look at the pictures on there and if that doesn't inspire you to get out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's been a long time since I shot a roll of Red Scale. But the thing about Red Scale, as with so many of these films, uh, of these effect films, is that it can... Um, bring a new look to a tired scene. You could walk around somewhere that you've seen and photographed a million times, and when you're shooting it with a different kind of film like that, mm. you're going to get a very different Breathe look. new life into your creativity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You were saying, Claire, that it's something you want to return to again. Do you have ideas in your head of what you'd like to do with it now you know how it's going to behave? Um, I feel like I haven't shot it enough, if you know what I mean. Um, so obviously I don't have the, 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 the experience and the knowledge that Toby does, but... I definitely want to get some more and um, try and get like red, red, red um, images. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, John? Yep. This kind of thing you appeal to you at all? I don't really experiment with kind of what do they call it? Like different sorts of films yeah. like that have like special effects films. Mm-hmm. And John, stuff. having it's a not, black and white really. dark room, do you find you just tend to shoot black and white film almost exclusively? Pretty much. Like I do occasionally shoot colour, um, but it's it's always portrait. Or like, I very occasionally shoot slide film um, mm-hmm. just because I, I like it that as an object. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cross-process stuff. That that doesn't bother me. Um, but like this. Like, I don't know, like the Lomo, what is it, Metropolis was the latest one they brought out. Things like that don't, I don't know. I always say, like, because I try to have a full analog workflow mm. um, and I don't do a lot of colour printing, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me because I always think, well, if I'm going to shoot colour and I want to do something like this to it, I would do it digitally. Mm. Um, whereas I think if I did more colour printing, I would be very much drawn to these sort of films mm-hmm. because you're then getting a very specific style like visually mm-hmm. um but because i don't do much kind of printing it it doesn't i'm not drawn mm-hmm. to it i wonder what the uh, darwin printing as red scale negative would look like mm. what if you're doing it black and white effect. well grayscale I also wondered, I make paper negatives um, in my pinhole cameras. I've also wondered, would you be able to red scale colour paper? Nah. Because <laughs> it doesn't have the anti-elation there. Uh, this is going to no, end up like your silent type adventures, Toby. That's the thing, unfortunately, like, when you're going through... because And that's the thing, that is kind of the magic of red scale, is that you've got this layer there. You know, and you're just using film literally the opposite of the way that it works, and you get this incredible effect. Um, I mean, I've I've made prints from color negatives before now onto black and white, and that's perfectly doable, yeah, and that. that can work well. And I would I've imagine... developed color negative film in black and white chemicals as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's all that's good. A... It, it, you get a certain look. And um, but I think if you try to do a, a black and white print of a um, 
a red scale picture, you'd probably just get a fairly you get Mediocre. a black and white print. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that, that much detail. Yeah, it's interesting what you were saying, John, about the fact that because you're doing that full workflow, you want to use the films because you because the idea of using a film that you can't take all the way through the process. Um, mm -hmm. it, that's certainly like that that Ilford HP5 that's, I don't know, 30, 40 years old, um, of which I've got quite a lot of it left. It's making me think about how I use that now because realistically I know from having tried more than once to print from that, that's not happening because it's got a fairly mm -hmm. hefty amount of base fog and then low contrast mm -hmm. pictures on top of that. You can get stuff from it from scanning it and, and I can get, uh, I'm going to put air quotes around this, worthwhile images from it from scanning it but not from printing it. So mm -hmm. it, it does make me think. But it's, it's a look though, isn't it? It's like if you... If you're doing it intentionally and you know that's the the final result you want, mm. then I th I think that's that's a different approach. But I've, for better or worse, I've always gone down to try and get a kind of a perfect source image on the negative and then manipulate afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Um. So maybe like maybe it's a good, it would be a good thing to do is actually just think right. Well, actually, I'm I'm baking this look in from the start into the negative. And then everything that comes afterwards is mm. is determined from that. I do wonder if if you were to do like an RA four print of a standard color film, but with the red fit like the red fills all the way up, how that would compare to red scale? Because I don't think it would look the same at yeah. all. Because I think it just like it was a red filter on it. Yeah, as opposed Whereas, to the the way that the light burns through the base layer before it hits the color dyes when you're shooting red yeah. scale. Mm. Yeah, because there's a, there's a different look to this, isn't it? Like the the ratios between the different colors is completely different to just putting a red filter on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not the same effect. Mm. Yeah, it's a very cool thing. Well, I'm congratulations, Toby, on bringing it to market. You know, it's it's a thank you an adventure. It's been um, it's been a nearly a year. I've been working yeah. actually proactively working towards it with the internet presence, and it's been a couple of years since the idea was first germinated. In a discussion with uh, Melanie, my wife, about um, just getting a side hustle going, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, it's been it's been a good um, and enjoyable adventure. That's the most important. I am thing. today. Yes, <laughs> that's be worthwhile. So um, <laughs> let's just say again, where should people go to buy this stuff? That's an important thing to get out there. If you go to um, Twitter or Instagram mm -hmm. and search for Red Eye Red Scale. Both of those accounts in my profile have a link to the Big Cartel shop where you can uh, go and buy. Good plan. Have you developed your role of film from the um, Bencini Comet yet? Well, the Red Eye? Yeah. They're both uh, with um, Silver Pan at the moment. Oh, it's Silver I, I have to say, um, because these cameras never, nobody ever, the word Bencini does not come up in conversation ever. Um, and it's been actually years since I've used mine, but I've got, a couple because obviously one i'm not <laughs> going to have one that would be stupid i've got a couple of bencini corals there's two cameras there's a coral is that the medium format yeah that's the sensible one the, the mm -hmm. bigger one you can get filming um although bizarrely it's not six by six it's half frame so it's not six by four point five it is half frame medium six format. by three yeah of course <laughs> 
Of course Brilliant. it is. <laughs> Where can I buy one? Um, they're great. But the, the, I, I, last time I put a roll of film through it, um, and this is how long ago it was, um, was that I was putting a roll of uh, Neopan 100 through it and not thinking twice about it because that was before we even knew Neopan was going to go away. And... Um, the camera for anybody who's never come across one of these Mancini cameras, they're basically like uh, I think they're aluminium, aren't they? They feel like aluminium, something yeah. like that. Um, like a feather. They're like they're, they're like an aluminium holger. I think is the best way of describing them. Like an oh, aluminium holger. They sound nice. Not <laughs> too far down my um, Instagram account, there is um, a picture of my Mancini Comet. Yeah, which is oh, the, no, it's the most recently pictured picture. If, um, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Like this one, there. this one here. Yeah, that's the Mancini oh, okay. Comet and the vest pocket. Um, but what amazed me with this roll, and I took that out and yeah, shot it. Nice. It was a bright, sunny day, and that lens, like I, I developed it. Holy moly, this is actually when you get it right, so sharp. But you do have that kind of Holger vignetting out at the end. I, mm. um, <laughs> I took the. I wanted to try and make it six by six to make the most of this, you know, because you could get a six by six one, um, but I haven't got one. Um, so I took the. Uh, mask out from the inside of my eye and screwed the mask turns out that that was also holding the lens barrel on um to the front <laughs> and the lens barrel kind of failed, fell off um so at that point i thought well i really do want to try this without the fr-. so i just i've just ta- sellotaped the um lens back onto the camera so the lens is currently held in place on that camera no, by, tape. Uh, yeah electrical <laughs> tape yeah um so that's good but yeah they're they're worth keeping up for there's quite a lot of these bencinis both the comets and the corals out there i think the coral s i think is the one that is mm-hmm. six by six um but if you want something that's like a holger that isn't a holger but will give you kind of similar shooting experience you 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 can focus it. It has like a focusing thing on the front. Sometimes mm. the, the bit falls off, but you can just put it back on again. The um, Comet has the same. Yeah, they're great. The only problem that I found <laughs> with the two that I bought, and I'd be interested to hear whether you had the same problem, is, and this harkens back to a conversation that I had with um, Vlad and Mark about the problems with Russian cameras. The grease that was used in the focusing ring is clearly some sort Solid. of yeah and it just it, it gives it like a they were absolutely fixed rigid but um get some solvent in there and that sorts yeah. it out and they're great oh, i've been doing them um, lighter fuel yeah it's a short-term fix but it it doesn't last it goes very stiff again i just i hear um i think it was m from a emulsive he said you can pop the camera into um, an oven for five minutes yeah. that heats the grease up yeah, I've heard that advice before. Now that's bad. I've I found if you just Don't get you just get it, just get in there enough and just move, it, and eventually you can just kind of wash it all out. That's what I yeah. did with mine. Just and 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 also one of them just fell off. So that made it real easy to clean. Anyway, the Bencini Coral, check it out. Cheap on eBay now. Mm-hmm. I promise, and it's a great alternative to um, a Holger if you want that kind of thing. If you want to be cooler mm-hmm. than the Holger kids. Um, let's have a quick catch up with how you guys are doing, Claire. You got out and did some shooting this weekend. Just gone. Yeah, it's been, I'm sure everyone's had lovely weather, um, so it's been really nice here, so um, I predominantly focused on the, the Total project, so our challenge was um, something out of place, so I actually, I don't know if you can see these, so it's instant film for the 1212 project, um, so I went somewhere. Well, quite... Right in front of your face, Claire. <laughs> yeah, right in front of my face, I'm there, I'm like, can you see? <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> yeah so i went out and i was like in a forest basically and <laughs> face onwards is probably better sideways is always bad for two-dimensional there objects and i basically went out and so i set my setup so i had to put some numbers on the tree and had a big curtains and 
I was working it out which one I would ch choose. So I was out for hours um, and I shot some 35 mil as well, which I haven't developed yet. Mm -hmm. But that one was an accident and there is literally properly something out of place there. That <sighs> I, made a, a, I made an error on that. Can you tell? Uh, not from this distance. Can you see it's what a... I... Can you so, see what I left? I'm having top? a guess. Mm. Is the um, the book upside down? I can't really no, see the, the picture to be honest. Down. So, so for the benefit <laughs> of <laughs> listeners, <A> Donald Trump. <laughs> for the benefit I of listeners, left, I couldn't believe it. That was one of my favorite. Well, I out of all the ones I took, this is one of my favorites. But um, I'd actually left my drink that I had with me um, <laughs> on the table by the phone. So I, extra I prop. I couldn't use it. Yeah, an extra prop. So yeah. I, I did a lot, lot of. Can't things. you Photoshop it out? I, I on the Polaroid. <laughs> not so good. I'd probably make Can't it. Make a mess, but, and then um, this was, where am I? I'm here. Yeah. Thank you. For the benefit of listeners, oh, believe again. me, this is no less painful on video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is another, this is kind of a beach near me. There's like a beach and a sort this of forest. This is a very nice bluey forest. looking Polaroid, yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of towards the end of the day. That was like the, the beach house. Um, but yeah, no, it was great fun. You can see it had I had great fun once so, I get going. So most of these, uh, for, like I said, for the benefit of the listeners who are probably throwing their phone at a wire, a lot of these pictures are yeah. you in the woodland, Claire, um, and you've hung up this lovely red backdrop between the trees, <laughs> yeah. and you're stood mm. in front of it in a, in a variety of costumes. And I like the one where you got the Psalms, Psalms one six two, yeah. everyone's favourite Psalm. As a priest in that picture. Sorry. Are you with the Psalms and the um, the hymn numbers? Are you dressed as a priest? Uh, uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not, and, and I call this image. Um, oh, she's so vague. Call this image. This wasn't the one I put into the project, but it was similar. My final one was called um, a framework for retribution. Well, it's certainly um, a fancy name, and it looks fancy. <laughs> so that was fun, yeah. And then, when will these pictures be available for people to see, Claire? Well, one of them is—I think one of them's on Instagram um, on the Twelve Twelve Project account, mm -hmm. um, and then I'll sort of drip feed, drip feed them as as we go. And then I've got um, two more um, shoots lined up that I want to go out and do. So it's just. Um, the weather staying and and, yeah. and and getting out and then i want to thank as well i had um one of our listeners uh bill too um i received this in the post which is really lovely um it's a zine uh seascapes can you see yeah and um no, mine's in the house. i'm sure a lot of a lot of listeners will know bill's work bill um gets out and about quite a lot in uh, Sydney at all hours um, and uh, takes really lovely images. And this is a collective of individuals, isn't it, from his um, Pixels and Grains, isn't it? Yes. Pixels and Grain collective. Yes, I'll follow them. Yeah. So that, so that was from Bill. And then I want to say thank you as well to um, Mike Crawford, who is... Um, runs the dark room, um, Lighthouse Darkroom in London, because... Um, he came on the on film podcast and he sent me this lovely book as well. Uh, obsolete and discontinued again. For people who cannot see this, Claire, you need to remember yeah. this is mostly an audio podcast. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Mike Crawford's lovely book, Obsolete and Discontinued, which he edited um, a series of images from different people, and it's it's really lovely. So thank you, Mike, and thank you, Bill. Yeah, we spoke to Mike about that last year, and you you recently had Mike on your on film podcast yes, talking. Yeah. Uh, 
about the third man. The third man. I remember. The third man. Um, yeah, the Obsidian discontinued. It's a great book, um, and yeah, really cool. Lots of people we know, or a few people we know, contributed to that. It's very mm. cool. And yeah, and the the seascape scene. We spoke about this last week, didn't we? Um, uh, that the collective put together. It really is beautiful. I'm glad you've got your copy now. Uh, a lovely collection of work taken last year. Um, did you find John? I know. We, there you go. Thank you, John. I knew we've bring up the page. So this is a, a the pixels and grain um, pixels and grain dot blog website dot photo dot blog website mm. and you can see all the stuff on there. I it's love really... that. I love the cockatoo picture. I love that. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that right where that is. Um, yeah, it's a mixture of digital and analog work, and it's just beautiful photography. Just really beautiful photography by a collection of beautiful, uh, a collection of beautiful <laughs> photographers. They are beautiful <laughs> photographers. Uh, uh, very beautiful. Very beautiful photographers, but also very talented photographers. So mm. that's well worth checking out. That's awesome. Mm. You've had a good post week. A good post week. Yeah, I <laughs> have a good, had post, a good week. post week. Yeah, I've had a really good one. Um, yeah, a really good one. Yeah. I was about to ask John how John's week has been, but he's left. <laughs> John. How do you back, John? That's nice. John. Hi. <laughs> How's your week been, John? Because it's, it's been, the, been a while I, since we spoke. I had a really, um, I had a good post week as well. Ooh. I had, I received this. My Camerodactyl mongoose <gasps> arrived. That looks- oh, that's awesome! It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> 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 Should have got a Bencini so, comet. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happened to it in the post, oh, and I'm having no. a, a one-to-one chat with Ethan this weekend to try and sort it out. Uh, unfortunately, but it's all here. Like it turns on. There's just he, he thinks something's come loose inside. Yeah, it like it's taken, it's taken about a month to get here. It got stuck in San Francisco for about two mm. weeks. Um, but it's here now. So hopefully we'll get that resolved this weekend. And it, but it did give me a chance to actually resolve my um, copy stand situation. I don't have a copy stand. I can't afford a copy stand because for some reason they're ridiculously expensive. Mm. Um, and I managed to turn an old and larger stand into a copy stand by oh, really? just finding an attachment that would go into where the head normally goes on my larger stand and would attach to my DSLR. So I'm got a, and I've got um, a reverse mount. I've got a Nikon d800 um i got a reverse mount for that so i can attach an enlarger lens to it so i can pretty much get a full frame image out of out of that now for digitizing so i can't wait to get that set up because apparently i'll be able to scan a whole roll or digitize a whole roll in about a minute i think and just have it all tethered to my computer yeah it like the the mongoose just feeds the film through automatically it's got edge detection in it um and i'll have it tethered to my computer just shove the film in press a button boff and it will all be in i can't wait wow. that sounds very cool Inspired. and also you got your zine out this week yes indeed yeah but finally that went out um after some printing issues which never got fully resolved unfortunately oh. um but Yep, that's landing on people's doorsteps right now. Some people are very kindly posting to uh, social media that they've received it. So, yeah, that was, uh, it's been dragging on a bit, that annoyingly, but that's just one of those things, isn't it? So, what's it called, this one, John? Again, remembering that this is an audio podcast and you just waved a thing in front of it. <laughs> Edition is called A Long December. 
and it was basically inspired by a Counting Crows song called Along December, um, where I, I kind of focused on certain lyrics within that um, and then did visual responses to it and then wrote my own words around it as well, uh, based on what last this December was like and just being in lockdown again and, and everything so it, around that. Was it mostly you like things like your Christmas list and you being excited for Santa coming, stuff like that? That's exactly what it was, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to cook on Christmas Day? Yeah. How many mince pies am I going to eat? How much you hate sprouts? <laughs> yeah. I have a few sweet sprouts any day of the year. Thank you. Actually, this is important. Uh, Claire, sprouts, yes or no? I love them. I should have oh, known. Right. Should have known. <laughs> sprout soup. Oh, oh kicker. John, <laughs> kicker. Kicker now. Sprout what about sprout, sprout crumble? Really Makes now. an interesting pudding. I haven't ever tried sprout crumble, Claire, but I would. If this you, is if the most outrageous it. thing you said since no, you said that Rudolf Hess was lovely. a big Whippet fan before we started recording. Oh, God. No, sprout soup is um, it's really nice. It's really nice. It sounds like a hate crime. I think they get a bad press. I think it's because of the flavour well, and the texture. Oh God! Uh, can we can we move on, John? Is there anything else? Before, that we, I... do, before we do, can I just quickly um, talk mm. about post boxes and zines? Yes, you certainly can. I found on Instagram a red eye zine recently. That ah. I, I bought it. It's called Death's Mist. And that's an interesting title. It is a spooky collection of horror inspired red eye images oh awesome and you can buy it from an instagram account called visions dot of underscore wanderlust mm. can you hold it up so you can see some pictures yeah could we see some toby please i'll turn my filter off because it always gets in the way when you're mm. holding yeah. things up this is where we discover that toby's actually in a, a bordello mm. and there's just mm -hmm. nothing but naked mm -hmm. women wandering around behind him it was actually my wife cooking dinner. <laughs> Why didn't she have any clothes on? That's the bit I still don't understand. It's very hot here. We've got a fire burning. <laughs> what was the um, the Instagram account? Oh, that's Sorry. They're really lovely. Visions.of.wonderlust, I think. Was that correct, Toby? Hang on. Uh, it was visions.of underscore wonderlust. Okay, he's mixing up the dots and the underscores. So I was just searching episode. Instagram for Red Scale, yeah. as I yeah. happen to do on a regular basis, and this came up, this account. That's lovely. Yes, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's limited. I'm not sure how many are left, and it's not going to be yeah. reprinted. That's uh, something to aspire to, yes. getting that effect. It's That's certainly really um, it's full of very, very nice images. Mm. I even got a little thank you so much card with some oh. what looked like psilocybin mm. on it sure so yeah visions dot of underscore wanderlust on instagram mm. if you uh, like the look of that i haven't been able to find that instagram account however i did find vision strikers official which is a south korean football team so. <laughs> well get there zine i bet that'll be just as good <laughs> i bet that'll be just as good and i'm sure toby will wang a link in for us because toby's good like that um we'll, we'll put it in the show notes yeah we'll put it in the show notes um okay can i talk about my good post week um, no. So, okay, first thing is, things with, uh, I'll come to the scene later. First off, because I talked about this last week, um, my camera. This is the Zorky 4, special Zorky mm. 450. This is the one I bought from Mark. Um, and it's lovely and it's beautiful. And 
much like John, um, this was sent out by Mark uh, in great condition. He put a roll of film through it. He tested it all good. <laughs> it got to me and uh, the shutter, the low shutter speeds are being a bit hinky. So um, mm-hmm. I'm going to, because obviously I'm not going to try and repair that because that wouldn't be a repair. That would be just me taking it apart and then putting it in a plastic bag and then putting it in the bin. Um, so I am going to send it back to Mark because he said he'd have a look at it for me. But it's beautiful. I love it. I'm very happy with yeah. it. Um, and I can't wait to actually get out and use it because that's the thing about these Zorkies is that um, you do pick them up and you think, yeah, this is a camera I want to use. Uh, more so for me than my Kiev. I've got a Kiev 4 um, and <laughs> that I don't love. The- <laughs> I don't. I like the background. I- it's very nice, Toby. Toby's now in, in the nebula, which is arguably yeah. the place he should be put. Um, so that's very, very right. cool. Excited to try that out. Um, other things I got in the post this week. I had we I had another zine sent to me to us. This is from Mark Thompson, who is uh, at Field de Hyde. <laughs> that's probably not how you're supposed to say that, but that's how I'm going to say it. I will put the links in the show notes on Instagram, and I know John's got some pictures up here. Um, so this is Analog Lockdown. This is pictures that Mark took last year um, during the everything. Uh, actually, he sent me a little note with it, which I'll read because it's better than me waffling on. Uh, I, I always like this. Mark has addressed this in the appropriate way. Uh, it says to Graham plus the other sunbeams. <laughs> that's you guys. You get the other. <laughs> Dear no. others, please find enclosed a copy of my first attempt at a zine conceived whilst furloughed from my day job last year. During mm. this time, I thought a stripped back analog approach on my daily exercise was the way to go. During these walks slash cycling, the Sunny 16 podcast kept me company. Thank you. Um, and he says, P.S. Whilst I am selling copies on Etsy, it's not about making money, but getting images in print out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, we'll put a link in to the uh, Etsy store. I really love this. It is, um, I hope you can kind of see my face to scale. It's kind of unusually large. It's uh, sort yeah. of A4 size. Is it, I think it's A4 size. It's, maybe it's not exactly A4, but it's about that size. So it's bigger than I'm used to seeing for zines. They tend to be a bit smaller than the other Seascapes one is. Um, nearly half that size uh, but i love it because i i love seeing pictures big it just it's a real delight there you go john's bringing it so i won't hold it up in front of the camera um <laughs> they do a great job mark lives in a seaside resort town or, or near a seaside resort town um he says he's up near blackpool and around there and capturing these areas last year where they are devoid of people is really quite haunting because <laughs> Um, those places just look weird without people in them especially Mm -hmm. when the sun's out and shining uh, and that's the thing all these pictures they are I know it's a bit of a cliche thing from last year but they work exceptionally well with this location also they're just beautiful photographs they're beautifully framed they're beautifully shot they're really lovely Um, and uh, I think it's well well and um, he shot them all in black and white Mm. which again that layer of abstraction because these are very could be very colourful images because of the content, because Blackpool, you know, it's pretty gaudy in a lot of places. But taking that away, yeah, um, yeah, it's great. Really worth looking at. So if that appeals to you, do yeah. go and check that out um, on Mark's uh, Etsy mm. store. And what I said, we'll put on his Instagram feed as well there. Mm. Um, so that was great. Um, other things I just want to quickly talk about. So I said I got my camera and I did mention last week that uh, I have been spending rather a lot of time on eBay again. Um, and the good news is that I think I have managed to stop my eBay, what could have been a full-on woo-woo head on down the eBay trade. I think I've managed to stop that. Um, 
<laughs> first off, um, I did buy another camera. So there had to be another camera before I got off the train. And the camera that I bought is making it into... Out of the three cameras I bought in the last two weeks, this is the third one that is basically going to be unusable. Uh, so I've got my two Zorkies <laughs> that are now basically unusable. The third one <laughs> is a Polaroid 350 land camera, um, which I bought because it was just too too beautiful not to it's a lovely land camera uh, and it was cheap and now admittedly i'm never going to be able to afford to put any film in this because the film is significantly not cheap at this point for pack film mm. but i hold on to hope in my heart that one day someone will make some pack film or that somebody will make some way of me shooting a roll film through it and when i was talking to um matt beckberger on Saturday, we put out the podcast talking about the um, Raveni uh, spot meter. And afterwards, I chatted to Matt at great length. God, he is he is a fairly spectacular individual. The amount of stuff that he's making and doing, and it's all very cool. And some of it we'll see fairly soon. And he pointed me towards something that somebody had done in the past. There was somebody who made a kit so you could transform these um, 350 and 450 LAN cameras into roll film cameras but unfortunately they're not making them anymore anyway somebody get on that would somebody somebody just please make me a roll film back for that camera mm -hmm. I, is that too much to ask but um but yeah that buying three cameras that essentially none of them i can mm -hmm. really use was enough for me to go i should stop doing this instead of i've started buying hi-fi stuff instead of bought myself my first amplifier <laughs> and some speakers so that's great going down that hole instead very excited about that um you don't operate a one in one out policy on your cameras graham I did so I have actually sold another camera this week you know the um this is a thing that I want to mention quickly because this is like a pro tip to anybody and also it's kind of bonkers to me so I sold this week a Practica BMS I think it was I can't remember mm. I think it was a BMS which is a um East Germany uh 35 millimeter SLR it's a perfectly good camera. It works. It was full working condition. It's fairly basic. I think it goes up to one one thousandth shutter speed. It's fully manual, um, and um, mostly uh, it's metal and plastic body. But you know, it's and it works. It just works. And but it was a camera that I'm never going to use. I have quite a few SLRs. That one was quite a long way down the list of how many would have to break before I was going to use. I thought, no, sell it. So I sold that with a fifty millimeter. Pentacon um, lens, which is a lovely 50mm 1.8 lens. It's a really nice lens. And a Carl Zeiss Jena, um, I think it was 135mm. Now, the, the focus on that was real stiff, but it was, you know, another lens and a flash and a roll of expired film and two batteries. <laughs> all in the bag, right? Sounds like an immersive secret Santa. Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. so I put this on auction and that sold for, with one bid, for £20. Now, that's great. I'm happy to see that camera go to another home. Good. I hope whoever's got it gets loads of joy from it and shoots it. Um, but these Practicas are clearly a real bargain. Practicas, nobody wants them. And some they're, they're perfectly good cameras. So Practicas are a really good bargain. Mm. I'm currently selling on eBay um, a Yashica TLR that I've got. The, the shutter doesn't work on it. It's pretty dinged up anyway. I had I sent it off to Lyndon to get the shutter repaired. He got it working, sent it back. I put a roll of film through it, great, and then the shutter stopped working again. And I mm. thought, I'm not going to persevere with that anymore. And it's just been an ornament. 
since then. Are you like a, a bit of a slider, Graham? A bit of a slider? Yeah, because uh, I explain. reckon I'm a bit of a slider because quite often watches will stop on me or computers will go wrong. Yeah. And you, you, you keep saying, but I something <laughs> on that sphere. Yeah, with, that could be it, Claire. Shutters, that could shutters. be it. Yeah, I've got an abnormal magnetic body field. Yeah, yeah I've got an abnormal so body. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. And anyway, so I stuck this twin lens reflex up on eBay. And um, mm. and I think I and the interest in that that that's going to sell for like twice the price. This broken, mm. not working twin lens reflex, which I listed very honestly, mm. is going to sell for at least twice the price of a fully working SLR camera yeah. with two lenses. It's bonkers. It's really, mm. um, yeah. So look out for if you want. How much? Are, like if they're if they're fully working, how much should they go for? Uh, well over a hundred pounds, like hundred and fifty yeah. up. So. But that's why, like isn't it? Because people think they can repair it. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say people buy them for parts, but some people just buy them, don't they? In to put in, like you go into shops, in sometimes cabinets. they've got all them working yeah. cameras. Yeah, um, that's true. Or they've got, or they've got working ones. I was in Greece once, and uh, the camera I had, I dropped it. Um, and, and it, yeah, that's not being doing... a slider, Claire. That's being yeah, a clutch. Yeah, no, You're was, confusing slider with clutch. That was an accident. <laughs> And I was climbing over some rocks, and I, I slipped, and and the, and the camera broke. Anyway, there was a, there happened to be a, a camera shop in 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 the in the in the in the town centre, and I went in there, and they had really good cameras to me mm. that were were in working order, but they wouldn't sell them. Oh, you know, no. they were they were ornamental. Like, sorry, ornamental. Yeah, yeah, just there, and some of them were like um, working. Um, but they were just there, you know, on display, and that was frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I could just. <laughs> but, it is um... a shame. But mm. yeah, I, I, so I am trying to do what you're saying, Claire. Kind of a one in, one out thing. <laughs> um, I feel one in, we... three out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, one out, three in. But three you know, in, it's nearly out. that. Um, <laughs> I felt really good in its general clear out. I've been I've been getting rid of stuff that has been sitting around for ages. Talking about people buying things that you think, why would mm. you do that? I, I I when I decided I was going to learn the saxophone years ago, um, and I wanted to buy one, and I was getting very impatient trying to find one I wanted, so I just bought one. That it turns out it was absolutely ancient and knackered and beyond repair for any. <laughs> Sorry me if this sounds familiar. Anyway, and it's just been in a box somewhere for ages, and I sold that, and somebody bought that. I can only assume for ornamental value. But mm. I sold some old video game controllers, and I managed to. It was perfect. I managed to sell one lot of controllers for exactly the amount of money it cost me to buy my my first amplifier, my um, King, King Fisher Price, my first amplifier, and another set of controllers, a little steering wheel, which is great fun. I was, I was going to miss that steering wheel, Mario. Kart. Um, oh, Gran Turismo, please, Mario Kart. What kind of fool do you take me for? <laughs> Blue shell, you mate. Um, uh, for exactly the same amount that I was able to buy some speakers for. So that was clearly just meant to be. It's really nice when you feel like, oh, I've got something I want, I've got rid of something I don't want, and it's cost nothing. Uh, Serendipity. Yeah, mm. exactly. Although I did also buy some e some darkroom stuff, um, mm. which I... Now, I, you've seen pictures of this stuff, John, I didn't, and you might have as well, Toby. You've seen the pictures of this. Yeah, Basically, sorry, on Twitter. <laughs> these are boxes of old old darkroom stuff three mm. big boxes including an mm. old gnome enlarger i have no idea what i'm going to do with any of it it's like no idea because it's kind of useless there's a few trays in there um but in my defense it was only mm. six pounds and now Sinead's shouting at me because they've all gone up in the attics 
<laughs> that's exactly I've, I've got a couple of boxes like that and they're up in the attic now and yeah. maybe one day it'll be like oh yeah i've got that little bit that i need but you use some of them as tools like some of them like the round things looked like um instruments that you could possibly use for some um burning maybe maybe a lot of burning this yeah like put in your cosmic planets or something or yeah on your, on your exactly <laughs> that's a great idea actually that's a good idea um and the problem is that it's kind of it's so old that everything that is electric needs rewiring because it doesn't even have a three pin plug on it i don't know how long we've been using three pin plugs on this country but this was before all of that uh the actually when the stuff was boxed away when whoever was using it was like okay all this needs to be packed away and i'm never going to use this again the box that it was packed into at the end of its useful life uh that cardboard box is from 1969, which I kind of love. I really? love the fact that I've got a cardboard oh, box. You can sell that on eBay. <laughs> exactly. I'd buy it for a prop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably worth more than the entire contents of the cardboard box. So anyway. What's the shop? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Sorry, John. Was there a complete enlarger in there? Was there a gnome enlarger? Yeah, I think, I think it... I, think it is complete i haven't put it together yet but yes i think there's a complete gnome enlarger and a timer for it as well a johnson timer i've got many things by the johnson company i've got a whole box of johnsons in uh that, so. i've got actually john you can tell me whether this is a useful thing to have um i have got an old print dryer so i don't know whether you've seen right. these but it's like a hot a curved hot plate with a piece of fabric that you pull down over it have you seen these at all is that for, for glazing? glazing the oh, is it glazing? Plane? I think it'd be used for glazing yeah, or drying. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what glazing is, other than in the case of donuts. So, um, it's exactly the same. Oh, cool! It makes them shiny. You can put sprinkles on it as well. Okay, so is that a useful thing to have for fibre prints? Yeah. Ah, do you have one? No. Do you want one? They're, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> can I they're, give they're you they're one? They're big and heavy, though, aren't they? No, it's only it's like it's only about that big. For the listener audience, I'm holding mm. my hand that far apart. <laughs> no, it's not very big. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I think for John, an eight, eight by ten paper. Yeah. I think John, you should take the glazer and I'll take the cardboard box. <laughs> deal. You <laughs> you can have deal, 69 cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. Um. Obviously, you have to take the rest of the contents with it as well, Claire. Um. Mm. But no, it's good. It was, it, it, Claire. I had. 1969 box sounds like a good prop yeah that's what i mean yeah i'll, I'll have the cardboard box um <laughs> it it was it was i got so much joy though out of just going through these boxes and pulling all this mm. stuff out um because mm. it is it is stuff from another age there's a book in there there's a book on enlarging and this book was first written in 1941 and then it had reprints in 42 and 43. And in, in, in the front, it gives like the, it says, oh, in this edition, this was updated. In this edition, it was updated. And it was kind of like the last edition was, we've obviously made note of the fact that certain papers and supplies are impossible to come by at the moment because we're in the middle of a war. It's such a little time capsule. And yeah. there's um, a dinky little contact printer for, I think, 6x9, talking about 6x9 again. Because, of course, in those days, if you were shooting on an Ensign Ranger or your um, Voigtlander, you weren't shooting those cameras to make enlargements from those negatives. You were shooting them to make, to be a postcard. Yeah, make mm. little contact prints. So there's a little frame for doing that, which is super cool. And I might actually do that with some of these things because, honestly, they those pictures they don't tend to scan well and blow out well because the lenses aren't super sharp on certainly or not on the cheaper ones which were like my ensign ranger was a, a cheap and cheerful camera um 
back in the day. It wasn't like a high-end mm. ensign. So I might have a go at doing some contact prints because that might be quite a fun thing to do. So, yeah, it was it, it provided me with a good, uh, good bit of entertainment value. And I might try upcycling some of the stuff to make it useful in some way again. There must be ways with LEDs and stuff like that. There must mm. be ways. Mm. Um, so very cool. Um, <laughs> After all that waffling on, which was entirely on me, um, we have got some emails which we need to get into. Um, so let's get into these very quickly. Claire, do you want to take this first one? These are first ones are cheap shots challenge ones. So um, do you want to take the first one? Yeah, if I can. Um... From Bill Toot? Or Bill yeah. Toot, as you call him? <laughs> Not true, that was Just... me. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost the emails now. That's uh, what you could call your saxophone. <laughs> Bill Toot. Mine was Bust Toot. <laughs> Bill Toot. <laughs> have you have you found the tab again, Claire? Um, I'm afraid. I think the tabs. <laughs> Claire's lost. Okay. Well, um, shall I take it? I'll tell you what, John. <laughs> do you want to take the one from Mark Thompson, and we'll come back to and I'll Bill's. Come back. Yeah. Okay, let me just find the because uh, there are images to go with these as well, aren't there? Yes, there are this indeed. Is, well, this is the slick part of the show. Well, tell you what, do you want me to read the email whilst you find the images, or are you good? I've That's got right. Bill's. I'm, I've got Bill's email. <laughs> well, it's you're going to have to wait now, now Claire. <laughs> John, you go first. Right, I'm off. Mark Thompson, dear sunbeams. Oh, just knock my drink over at the same time. <laughs> 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 Dear Sunbeams, please find attached my two images for the latest Cheap Shots Challenge. I became a regular listener to the podcast during the mayhem that was 2020 when I was furloughed for three months. Mm -hmm. During this period, I made use of my exercise to go out with one camera, one lens and shoot black and white film. I do have the advantage living on the outskirts of Blackpool that the coast within 15 minutes cycling or 30 minutes walking distance from home. Mm. I had considered entering the previous challenges, but didn't think I had a camera that I could use. My regular cameras would not come close to qualifying. Then, during the first lockdown, I bought a Holger 120N, which would have been okay, but I remembered that I had a Lubital 166B that my late dad had bought in a charity shop about 15 mm. years ago, but I had never used. I then stupidly decided to post on Instagram that I was considering entering the challenge and put up a poll with a choice between the two cameras. Whilst the Holger won marginally, I decided that the Louboutin might be more of a challenge. And as it turned out, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> so, I loaded <laughs> so I loaded it with some fresh T-Max 400 from Analog Wonderland and off I went for a walk, mm. taking the Holger as a backup. And then I wondered what I'd let myself in for. It was my first time using a TLR since I'd sold my Rodecord in the early 90s. All I can say is that I was certainly, it was certainly experience. I had to gaffer tape the back to keep it closed. Anything other than infinity focusing was a challenge. And the numbering on the modern backing paper is not designed with red windows in mind. The best that I can say is that the Lubital is the least, is at least the aperture and shutter operate. But when you're used to a Hasselblad, Mm. Tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that because of my travel limitations to do some contre jour shots with a red filter on a couple of sunny days. A definite cliche without the need for any Vaseline. 
this mm. always tends to lead to some arty underexposure and drama but to add to this effect after hunting through some old photo accessories i came across a long forgotten 1980s coking starburst filter oh yeah perfect i thought mm. two cliches cliches for the price of one so here are my two favorites from the role mm. the first was at a local nature reserve no that's not it um oh yeah uh, da, 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 uh, where the starburst filter had given a, a finer effect and the second on blackpool promenade where the limitations of the lubitel's octaves octaves in optics <laughs> into the sun are well demonstrated <laughs> the tram lines may even qualify as a third cliche in this one and i didn't end up needing the backup camera best regards mark so should, let's look at the mm. um, first picture first, the nature reserve. So this is a lovely picture shot out over some uh, wetlands, it looks like. So in the foreground, you've got some um, grass and reeds and stuff. Then behind that, you've got the bright surface of the water. And then behind that, you've got the tree line. Mm -hmm. It's very dark because of the red filter that's being used. Um, but what's brilliantly setting this off is in the top right corner, you've got the sun blasting mm. out with this starburst filter, this lovely kind of cross effect going on shooting across them um it works spectacularly well i really like this the red yeah. filter's given yeah, it fantastic. some real drama yeah. and it and you got some great lens flare because uh, well what to be fair he was shooting into the sun but also the lubitel's yeah. never gonna <laughs> never gonna handle that. i was gonna say the lens flare really makes that for me mm. yeah yeah in the middle bottom center of the uh of it's the very, picture it's very moody isn't it it's a very moody picture but I really like star um, filters, star filters. Starburst. You're getting, starburst um, filters. You're getting amazing starbursts on the highlights of the, the lake as well. Mm. Yeah, Just lots of mini bursts. Yeah. yeah, that looks fantastic, that does. I'm really hoping, because I'm using a, not starburst, but a kind of similar kind of filter on, it's kind of more of a, I don't know what it's doing to be honest I just grabbed it and shoved it on there and thought this will be fine but I'm really hoping that I get the same kind of great results from this mm. um, have you got one with like seven or you know you can get some that have got about seven or eight can, can't you multiburst multiples yeah I love those it just kind of looks really scratched um, so whatever effect that is it might just be a, a UV filter that's really scratched <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the second photo is kind of it, it's like the urban equivalent of that so you've got mm. the same basic framing in that you've got the um, street scene with these tram lines going away from you and buildings in the background and again we're in Blackpool again so you've got this deserted yeah. Blackpool and then the sun top right just blasting out across it um, yeah. another cracking photo uh, this is how the does it lead nine and vanishing point? <laughs> Sorry, one at a time now. <laughs> <laughs> After you, John. Um, how do starburst filters work? They take oh, them. Yeah, well, they, they, if you look at the actual filters, the filters are um, pieces of plastic with lines scored across them. Yeah. So the light's hitting it and right. it's breaking it up. So as Claire was okay. saying, you can get ones that will break up into different numbers of um, mm. points. So you know, this one's obviously a 4.1, but you can get, well, I don't know, 5, yeah. 7, whatever. Uh, it's unusual to see one used during the day for obvious reasons, is that there's only really one significant light source mm -hmm. during the day. They're much more mm -hmm. commonly used in night photography and even mm. uh, saying much Car more commonly. Stuff, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They they can be, you know, they are a real cliche. I mean, they are a real mad 80s cliche, but you just don't see it that much these days because not many people are using filters. I like them. Um, yeah, 
good fun that's great Uh, that the um forest one is very moody yeah i I think i like the nature one that's my favorite the nature one yeah okay claire do you want to now you found it assuming you haven't lost it again (laughs) since then lost it again Uh, so do i otherwise we have to banana you to (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is um from bill two uh dear sunbeams please find attached my inaugural cheap shot challenge entries they were captured with a pentax auto 110 models and backdrops the film was packaged as metropolis but the rebate says purple so your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> the, ba- the backdrops are film photos i have previously taken oh that's a good idea isn't it the first image is an ironic take on the girl taking the boy by the hand cliche i enjoy the bokeh of this <laughs> image which extends from the background through the subject itself and into the foreground um so oh that's cute that i really like that it's it's a sweet image i like that good idea i like that idea of using the own the foreground photos, yeah. yeah as as the back, with, backdrop and then these two cute the little fore- toys at the front yeah yeah really yeah. sweet it's a fun thing to do. I messed around, not with this exact idea, but the idea of using toys in the oh. foreground and stuff years and years ago, um, using a toy robot of some sort right in the foreground mm. next to the camera. And then I was running out of the house into the garden and throwing mm. myself on the floor uh, and using forced perspective to try and make it look as so the robot was attacking me. My, that was an <laughs> evening where my neighbours really must have thought I lost my mind. <laughs> Um, who was it who took photographs with little toys inside a pinhole camera? Was it Heather Oakleyus? I don't know. That's a new one, but that sounds like a cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I think she was interviewed on the show a couple of years ago, wasn't she? She got the big yellow van. I'm sure it was her. She had a big, like, um, holding my hands up is no good. Big camera. <laughs> I don't know, taking 12 by 14 inch paper, a pinhole camera, and she was putting little figures inside that. So there were mm-hmm. silhouettes against the pinhole oh, image. Oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. It was Heather. I can't remember now, I'm afraid. Well, that's no use. I mean, what's the next picture, Claire? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> picture? I can't see where the picture so we've is. We've got two pictures. So... The second picture is, um, again, of uh, oh, the, the young lady model uh, in front yeah. of, uh, in a lovely wooden scene in front of a tree. So, again, you've got Bill's oh. picture as a backdrop, lovely blurred out. Um, that's a really fun idea. And lovely, and lovely. The backdrop pictures that Bill has taken is, um, that's lovely, um lovely colour palette on, on, on those shots. I'm intrigued as to what the toy the, the toy is. It's kind of looking half half cabbage patch girl or, or what do you call those? Was it but you know those paintings? Are they called big eye paintings or something? I'm intrigued what the, <laughs> just imagine the, the monster that Claire's just it's described. A of, it's a type of um toy. I'm intrigued by what the both of these the pictures make me feel like I'm sitting in a cinema and somebody two rows in front of me has stood up. Yeah, yeah that's that's actually yeah, that's a good um a good description, Toby. Okay. Yeah, so down at the front. That's great. <laughs> they are great. That's Very my cool. favourite. That's my favourite of the two. The uh, the hump yeah. going off into the distance. I also mm. I it's love like, um, a drive through cinema, isn't it? And like someone's just running towards the screen while you're sat in your car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. With a bucket of popcorn. Yeah. Um, okay, right. Oh, I, thanks, Bill. 
yeah, I'm going to take the next one. Um, so this is from John Michael Mendeza. Um, now, uh, we've got um, an email here from John Michael, but actually, so we've got the email and we've got the pictures that John Michael sent in. I also have, uh, hang on, I have to make sure I'm holding this in the right place. So I'm going to have to put up the right screen. I also have, because John Michael sent me, and I love this very much, physical copies of these pictures. So I actually wow. have in my hand these beautiful darkroom prints that John Michael has made. There's one. Like I said, we'll put the actual, the actual prints, because as is always the case, the, the physical prints look mm. spectacular uh, in a way that um, the, um, the the digital ones never quite convey. So I'll, I'll let John put the rest of them up on the thing. Mm. Um, they're really beautiful. Thank you very much for that. And he sent a lovely uh, letter with this, which I will read. Paper, so you know it's good. Uh, dear Graham and all the other sunbeams, what up, all the other sunbeams, <laughs> all the other unnamed sunbeams? <laughs> it's cheap shots time again. Enclosed, you will find my submissions one and two, and a couple of bonus prints. The topic of cliche was a difficult one. So many things are or have become cliche in photography that it is almost hard to avoid including them in one's work. My first idea was to explore the various cliches associated with blondes. Are there any? Um, cover your ears, Claire. Um, I have more fun. Gentlemen prefer dumb. <laughs> well, mm. um, but couldn't think of a way to pull it off in a tasteful way. Gas stations and rainy nights aren't really my style. So I turned mm. to a classic cliche, the selfie. Not just any selfie, mm. but the subgenre photographer in the mirror with his camera selfie. Mm. Yes. Has anybody on this call not done that cliche? No, so we're, we're all very guilty of that. Mm. Having settled on the topic, I started looking for some inspiration. Clichés become clichés when something that is novel or meaningful is overused to the point of irritation. So I thought there must be some examples of selfies that were artistic and interesting. I came across a book, a photo rather, by Andreas Feininger called The Photo Journalist. This iconic photo was on the cover of Life magazine in 1951 and shows mm. a photographer holding up a Leica in such a way that the lens and external viewfinder align with his eyes and the body of the camera almost blends into his nose. His head is a stark silhouette with a very tight spotlight illuminating his camera face. This is such a striking image with the photographer and his instrument merging into a single being. It was the perfect inspiration for my selfie. So I set about recreating the photo using my five euro Beltica folding camera. I knew I would need to crop in pretty heavily. So I went with fine grain films. So the enlarged image wouldn't be too mm. sandy. Washi S sound recording film was extremely high contrast and fine grain and Pan F plus was an obvious choice. For the spotlight, I used a DIY light blaster I made last year. It has a metal snoot, which is a lovely word, with a lens mounted on the front that can be used with a speed light to project shapes, in mm. this case round, or slides onto your subject. Another flash on the background and a third to add a bit of light to my shirt. When I was setting up, I realised I had forgotten my flash meter, so I had to go with using my digital camera to test the light. After about an hour of fussing with everything, I started shooting away. Mm. I took quite a few shots in the mirror trying to get the pose and the positioning as close as possible to the original and then to mix things up I put the Peltica on the tripod and used an auto canips pronounced canips 
So that's how I know I'm saying that right. I bought one of those recently, also on eBay. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> Sell it. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, to take some shots of me holding other it's cameras. where the real money is. <laughs> then, yeah, actually, you're right. Then home to the dark toilet to develop... To, to develop the roles and make some prints to send your way. Don't worry, mm. I will send them digitally as well, which he has, which we are enjoying on the screen now. I think number one is the closest to the original, but the high mm. contrast of the washi film, number three, is also quite appealing. Number two, with the Rolly Flex, is perhaps my favourite. Hiding both eyes gives the image a whole different feeling, and I like that it is less of a copy and more of an original. I wish I had thought to open the shutter, but I only noticed it afterwards. Number four is just fun. <laughs> I think number four is the... Bring up number four, please, John, which I assume is the one with him gurning into the camera. Nope. <laughs> no, I go back one. one. That one, oh, yes. With the yeah, Minolta. Uh, lovely picture of just putting this great cheesy face in the Minolta. I love uh, the first one. Um, uh, yeah. You can get that, John. Can we go back to the first one? That one. I love the I love the black and white. I love the lighting. So I think this is the one that he's saying that um, yeah. yeah, really comes close to this original image. So uh, so you've got mm. a very close up cropped headshot uh, mm. with the camera held right up against um, John Michael's eye on the right hand side, and this brilliant circle of light just around the inside of his face, almost like he's wearing a balaclava over the rest of it. Yeah. It's it's really good. Um, would you like to see the the original image that it was based on? I would love yeah, to see yeah. the original image. There oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very... So, yeah, exactly like that. Um, and as he described, and because there's a viewfinder, so you got a light, the photographer, uh, where are we? Let me find the photographer's name, Andreas Feininger. Um, the photographer's got the camera right up to his eye. Mm. Um, well, not up to his eye, actually. He's holding it so that the lens is over one eye and the viewfinder is over the other eye and so the, and then the body of the camera and the, view, the actual viewfinder the built-in viewfinder is down over his nose it works incredibly well it's a great mm. picture and um, if, you, if you notice this picture the original version the shutter is open yes yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it very clever picture and mm. i think john michaels has done a spectacular job um both reinterpreting and reimagining it um, just to finish the email off. As I always, really the Cheap Shots Challenge was a lot of fun and a creative and technical challenge. I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about my photos and getting to see what others have come up with. All the best mm. from John Michael. That's brilliant. Incidentally, for anybody listening to this who wants to see these pictures, I will put a link to the folder with all of these pictures in in the show notes so you will be able to go along and see them um, because they're great. But yeah, really sterling work and... Um, very impressed with that and thank you very much for the prints as well i love these prints and i do think they work spectacularly well mm, i do prints. okay where does that leave us with emails he said and also where does that leave us with time he said let's have a look at that i think what we're going to do is we're going to do the last couple of cheap shots pictures and i think we will leave the other emails for another day because otherwise it's going to get far too long so um john do you want to um yes. read the one by jack bulkley yes uh so jack says i'm afraid my cliches are not layered but i couldn't pass up this contest since most of my photos are cliches i loaded my nikon fun touch 3 with <laughs> ilford hp5 and these two seem the most cliche 
by the way, the fun touch sounds a little dirty <laughs> to me. Hey, me too, Jack. We're on the same tragic childlike wavelength. I felt a little wrong saying that. What is the Nikon fun touch? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to bring these pictures up, John? Uh, are they in the folder? They are in the folders. Yes, indeed, they are. Uh, I so the first one is Fountain. Uh, it's of some fountains. <laughs> Fountains. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll check. <laughs> right, let's bring these images up. Here bring we go. These images up. Fountains. Oh. So yeah, a, a lovely picture of a uh, pool in an urban area, pool of water, uh, with some nice jets of fountains. It is a classic thing taking pictures of fountains. I dare anybody to walk past the fountain and not take a picture of it. Uh, mm. Classic cliche. Well done. Fun well, touch. Um, compact camera. Yeah, okay. fun touch yeah. compact. There's an Instagram search on it. Mm. Got a very nice red stripe on it. Oh, well, if it's got a red stripe, it must be good then. Um, and the second one, the fire engine. Uh, again, you can't not take a picture of a fire truck. I love it. It's just, there's something, I think it's the inner child in me that just seeing a picture, especially an American, the town of Cary fire department. Say, yeah. It's got that, that chrome on it. Nice. Yeah. Just looks cool, doesn't it? Great pictures, very fun. And they might not be multi-layered, but I still love them. And they're great cliches because yeah. uh, they really appeal to that that notion of, oh, you cannot walk past these objects without taking a picture of them, um, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I'm going to read this last Cheap Shots one out uh, by Juan Suarez, who writes and say, Dear Sonnies, you'll find my two shots for this round attached to this email, which is always good. I use my HP5 on my 1937 IcoFlex. The one with the nail holding the viewing lens. I'll see if you can find that one, John. Um, I must confess, oh, sorry, the nail holding the viewing lens. That's what he's called, dear. That sounds dodgy. <laughs> I must confess that the theme scared me a bit. I enjoy landscape photography a lot, and I've yet to see a lonely tree, lonely road, or flowing waterfall that I haven't wanted to take a picture of. Clichés are, in that sense, something I'm actively involved in propagating. The two enclosed pictures represent something that is recurring in my photography. I see some converging lines and I say to myself, oh, there's a competition. Not necessarily, I discover when I scan the image. Best wishes to you all from Juan, who's at Juan Suarez Photo on Instagram. Okay. Uh, I love the vanishing point on this. Mm, I like that image. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, uh, so which, um, hang on, I'll make sure I'm looking at the same one as you because I'm clicking. Yes, this first one, looking down, uh, it, it is um, it, it is a good cliche, looking down a long um, covered walkway with pillars to one side and glass windows down there and the shadows. Mm. But it, like this again is one of these things that it illustrates why these things become a cliche because it's a really lovely graphic image with the light and the reflection and the shadow and the structure. I love the picture. Have I seen ones like it hundreds of times? Yes. Does this stop me from liking I'll take this one? The ones like it. Yeah. Does it yeah. stop me from liking it? No. It's still great because it was mm. also it's been well executed. Um, Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love all those yeah, the lines. Are perfect. Yeah, yep. And and the other one, still going with the converging lines theme. Um, this is a uh, footpath, a, a wide footpath, 
clearly running alongside a railway so you've got the converging lines of the fences on either side of the footpath going down and then a crane at the bottom and all the lines and stuff at the t um, on the left hand side it's great a great great well executed converging lines picture and what i like about this one is the way that he's broken up the frame so that the the footpath mm. and and the fences and all of that but all of the key activity is very much in the lower third and then the middle third is this very lightweight structures of the um the crane and the uh gantry going over the railway so you've got this kind of very delicate structure in the middle and then the open space at the top i really like that i really like the structure of that picture so mm. great stuff yeah, the, the offset vanishing point is nice yeah mm. very well executed because this is the thing like all right cliches are cliches but when they're well executed they can be an utter delight um so great work everybody like i said we have got a couple more emails but because we've been going for a while and because this is a video show i think we're going to stop there and we will save these other ones they're very good but we will save them for another day um we'll have to do a, a backing paper soon um but with the cheap shots challenge stuff please do keep the pictures coming in because we said we're going to give until the end of this week i think until mm -hmm. saturday the whatever saturday is saturday is going to be um, the sixth the thank six. you claire saturday the sixth um saturday the sixth to get them in listen if it turns up on sunday the seventh I, I won't tell if you don't but, <laughs> but try and get them in by saturday the sixth. and let us not forget is it i can't see it god knows what i've done with that oh, i know where it is it's in my car because oh, i'm actually using it to try and take pictures the um the olympus is turned into a dog I just wanted to give you a view of Mr. Planks. It's a distinct oh, improvement. I like it. Um, oh, he, um, he has his own hashtag. If you um, search Instagram for Mr. Planks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if I get a free minute, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, so, uh, yes, the challenge topic, as we've discussed at length, is cliches. Send your entries in. Two entries with the title of the pictures renamed to include your name, the camera name, and ideally the film as well, and the title if you want to give it a title. Send it into sunny16podcast at gmail com and if you can get it into us by Saturday, that would be great. If it's a little bit late, though, like I said, mm. we'll we'll forgive you. We're good like that. And you could win an Olympus IS one thousand. Hey John, how quickly can you Google up a picture of an Olympus IS one thousand? Because mine's in, in the car. Not going to happen. <sighs> Lazy. Um, it's a beautiful camera, and it's uh, fully featured, and it's wonderful, and it's been used by me for the last four <laughs> and a half years, and I just can't anymore. The shutter I doesn't work. <laughs> This shutter does work <laughs> amazingly. Everything works on it. Well, the LCD screen on the back, no, the the LCD screen in the back works just fine. But when you hold it up to your eye, the internal um, information is in there. You have to lift mm -hmm. it away to look. But other than that, everything works. It's great. <laughs> it's got a zoom. It's got macro. It's got multiple images on it. What more could you want? It. It's, it's like um, a bridge camera. Yes, yeah, bridge camera. Exactly. A bridge over troubled waters camera. Who wouldn't want one? So, yeah, get your entries into that and you might be lucky enough to win that camera when Paul Mackay joins us at some point at the end of this month or beginning of next month to judge these pictures. Very, mm. very exciting. Oof. Um, right, I think we're going to get out of here now. Uh, things to mention. Um, John, do you want to tell people about your podcast that has gone up on the Sunny 16 Presents feed? Oh, yeah, that went up tonight, didn't it? Um, it so Aid and myself have started a new series called The Lighting Lounge, um, where we're going to be exploring different lighting techniques and equipment and breaking down images and just 
generally going through some lighting stuff um there's a bit of an exploration and get some people involved as well hopefully um and that is going out on the sunny 16 presents feed and also on youtube so yeah please do check that out and drop us an email on sunny 16 presents at gmail.com <laughs> You haven't lost the password for that one, I hope, John. No. <laughs> uh, wonderful stuff. Um, Claire, I know you're getting geared up for another on film soon. Um, do you want to let people know who you're going to be talking to next? Um, I'm talking to uh, a gentleman called Jeremiah Chechik, who um, uh, lives out in California and he's a, a film director. And he's also been um, a photographer. He was a photographer for Italian Vogue. Um, before he became a film director. So um, I look forward to talking to him on Friday. Um, and he's chosen uh, Run, Lola, Run. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. I, I can get behind <laughs> this choice. I can get behind <laughs> this choice. And Toby, of course, let's give one more shout out to where people can go to find out about Red Eye, Red Scale Film. And of course, see your work as well. So give us, give us both um, Instagram and Twitter handles for you. If you go to instagram and twitter and search red eye red scale that's where you'll see the um mm. the red eye work um i also have a flicker gallery as red eye red scale as well and all those sites will give you a link to go to the big cartel mm. shop where you can buy red eye red scale film mm. and my personal account is toby v photo mm. also on twitter instagram and flicker as well a great and place to go. Let's and Mr. Happy. Planks. Don't forget, go Mr. to Instagram and search hashtag Mr. Planks. Mr. Planks. I cannot first name this. First name too short. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's rude. That's rude. I, um, Whippets I received really, my latest Whippets. role of... Sorry, Claire. I was, I was going to say, Whippets latest. are really clever, aren't they? Mr. Planks isn't. Mm. And also Nazi sympathisers, according to you, Claire. So they're not all good. Um... <laughs> My latest role of Red Eye Red Scale came mm. back from um, Silver Pan Film Lab this afternoon, so mm. I'll be posting fresh content over the mm. next few days as well. Great mm. stuff and great stuff. And whilst we're talking about Silver Pan Labs, I just want to give a big shout out to Duncan over at Silver Pan and everybody working out there. Uh, big friends of the show, Duncan. Uh, Duncan, where's the new Schnauzer music? You promised me new Schnauzer music. Where's my new Schnauzer music? Um, <laughs> that is all. Uh, thank you Heavy so plums. much. <laughs> thank you so much everybody for tuning in this week for listening for watching if you've managed to sit through all this which i very much doubt uh, the viewers have managed to but thank you if you have john thank you as always for all your hard work putting this video together and making sure mm -hmm. it's recorded seeing as my recording bailed halfway through so that's good um we have, we will be back with you uh later in the week oh no, we won't be back with you we'll be back with you next we'll be, hey listen guys we'll be back count on it uh until then Thank you very much for listening slash watching. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Night. Good night. Night. night.